Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. today we have uh the podcast creators of dear white women uh dear white women podcast i should keep it all brand consistent um sarah and me sasha uh this is actually really special because um ca- uh where are you from again or where the, bay area. the bay area california and then colorado mm-hmm. um so it's special that we get to be face to face and i do all my podcasts as much as i can face to face so it's it's phenomenal to have the opportunity so thank you for being here um i'm gonna let them introduce themselves and we'll start with personal background so hit us with your personal 411 and then we'll get into podcast okay go for it all right i'm sarah i this part will be similar to both of us i am the daughter of a half i'm, a, I'm half japanese half white Okay. Um, my mom is an immigrant from Japan, and I grew up in the East Coast. I uh, grew up speaking Japanese, and then sort of have lived all over the place. In my adult life, wound up marrying a Canadian man and have two daughters. Okay. Um, and then in terms of my interests, I kind of sold my soul to finance for a while. <laughs> and Necessary lesson. Right? Where did you grow up out east? In New York. Oh, like in Manhattan? Suburbs, no, in the suburbs. Oh. But Manhattan was my city of reference, oh, so my mom... New York, okay. <laughs> I don't know how, before the days of cell phones, my mom let me go into Manhattan starting in ninth grade by myself, and she did, and I remember putting quarters into the pay phones, being like, I'm here! Yeah, I still have pay phones, but this was Aurora, older. not <laughs> Manhattan, so like, no street cred here, but yes. I think she, my brothers must have just been keeping her busy, because I was set free to go do whatever I wanted to do, which was amazing, but so that adventure spirit has carried me on to wherever um all the places so i sold my soul to finance in order to work in tokyo and in hong kong okay so i lived out there for a while amazing company amazing people had a great time but when my dad died um i was 26 and it was time for me to he his tagline on email was always keep the balance keep the balance and he was my biggest cheerleader which sounds cheesy my husband's like that's the latest thing to say but he was really my we're here for all cliches by the way so you just lay it out there yeah save space for that he he was always like you always have a place to come home to so go spread your wings Mm -hmm. and it was such a cool thing so when he died and it was pretty sudden it was like we found out he was sick and a month later he was dead oh okay it was great as things go, it was graceful and all of those things, but it really made me reevaluate everything. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, we don't live forever. He was 59. Yeah. So I, at that point, left finance. That is so young. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, mm. So I... Just like hard breakup, like life evaluation, move on? Yeah. Like, I mean, I was depressed for sure. And then okay. I took a leave of absence and I found out that mental health is the top reason people take these leave of absences that I thought were so mysterious mm-hmm. and for bigger purposes, mm-hmm. but it was mental health. And they were like, oh yeah, no, everyone has these. I get it. And when I reflected, it was time to leave. I yeah. didn't know what I was going to do, but I worked in a coffee shop in Brooklyn for a while. Okay. Yes. I, oh my God. I love that entire 180. <laughs> oh my God. And then met all these people who were doing what they loved. And I'm like, I can do that too. This is a thing. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, we're not really taught to think that way, but okay, yeah. Um, and then, long story short, I ran into an old college advisor. He was like my favorite teaching fellow. And my mom was like, you need to come with me to this yoga retreat. I'm like, why? 
okay, fine. And it was because I had literally just been like, I don't remember that guy's name, but he taught me really cool things about positive psych and how to thrive. And I wish I remembered his name. And he literally was sitting in the room across from us in a big circle on sabbatical for two weeks in the United States. Stop and it was it. the one weekend Isn't he was crazy? at that place. <laughs> How do you, oh, come on, energy. You got to lean into it a little bit here. Like right. that's huge. I mean, yes, universe speaks. That is entirely serendipitous. Yes. So totally. So we wound up connecting. He told me all about life coaching, positive psychology. And I like lit up like, this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. So I learned all about it trained so I'm a life coach I am involved in positive psychology I help teach it I go to the summits like I this is what I am all about that's my meaning and my purpose so that has um, how old were you when all this when this pivot point happened I was 26 when my dad died I was probably 27 28 then I taught at so I was 29 so all in my late okay. 20s when okay. I was making these decisions and figuring out where to go and opportunities you know when you're in alignment they just sort of happen yeah the, you're the dude you're them. looking for happens to be the coffee shop that changed your yeah yeah <laughs> yeah man <laughs> We're here so, for it. so yeah that happened and okay that has basically carried me on to you know I was home with my kids for a while yeah I lost my mind doing that but it was so <laughs> also important for moms to admit I'm not a mom so I'm a dog mom but like I think that's we need to up shake that stigma I think a little bit it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh, oh my goodness. Respect. Mad respect. My mom, I'm one of four, and I'm the oldest girl with my three brothers, and we're good kids, but oh my God. My, and she wanted to stay at home. Like, before my parents were married, she's like, this is what I'm doing, da, da, da. and it was like, this was her business, and she loved every second of it, but I look back, and I'm like, oh, and I coached for nine years, women's lacrosse, um, and I'm like, oh. Two hours a day is good. <laughs> the, the other, you know, 23, holler at your parents. Like, this is a whole undertaking, like, respect to all my moms and dads. <laughs> so, I emerged when the kid went to school, and I did a few things since then. I mean, I guess you're going to be like, you you have to say it. But I wrote a book. Oh, okay. Um, just a flex thing. Yeah, I, I was did a TEDx say. talk. Like, I found my voice. I think yeah. that basically the, the upshot is in the – after I, I – left my career figured out what I wanted to do and then lost my voice for a while because I was so internally focused being a mom when I had more freedom and capacity to really think about it and reflect I feel like I found my voice more and more and more and yeah. I think that's why I'm like super excited that you and I Natasha are doing this podcast because this is really what I'm meant to be doing it's my skill set my interests it's so safe in this setting like yeah. to work with my best friend yeah but she'll tell you also how we met but you know we've known each other for decades yeah. And we live in different states and yet to be able to do this and move the needle and make the world a better place, which is really my interest in positive psych. Yeah. So that we are happier and better people. It's pretty lucky. Ah, yeah. Yes. And I feel like if you believe it, this is something I'm still grasping on. Like you can believe it can happen. It, it can. But like your dream job with your dream human, with your kiddos and your family close by with space to do, you know, what you want to do. I mean, it, it can all be a thing. Um, and so here it is. So that's, it sounds like you're more than deserving. So mad congrats on that. Thank you. <laughs> I feel really, really, really grateful. Yeah. All right, me, Sasha. Hit us with the um, truth. I know, right? So our story starts similarly, um, and then it goes very different, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is why we work, though. Mm -hmm. um, so I grew up the daughter of a Japanese immigrant who is my father. Okay. Um, Similar parts of Japan. I've actually, this is random fact, but I've been to Japan twice for lacrosse. And I'm not even that well-traveled, but we happened to go to Japan twice, and it was 
awesome. And we actually stayed with the family. So I got to see the culture like up front. Oh, it was so awesome. And it was the first experience where I'm like, we're not that different. Like we, we could barely communicate. Um, cause they barely spoke English and we were cor- like typical Americans. We did not speak Japanese or have, we knew a couple things. Uh, Watashi no no me wa Kristen. Is that no, even close? Yes, okay. Yeah, okay. Close. A little yeah. bit of stuff. Um, <laughs> that's all I got from my college education. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but we went there twice. So it was fascinating country and just awesome. So there's my piece on that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So my dad grew up in Tokyo. Okay. Um, and he came to the U.S. on an exchange, actually, created by um, a family who had lost their son in World War II okay. um, in the Pacific Theater and never wanted that to happen again. They wanted to foster an understanding between the United States and Japan. So my dad's school in Japan and this small boarding school in Connecticut set up this exchange. So every other year, they would switch students. Like, a student would go from the U.S. to Japan or from Japan to the U.S. And the deal was you had to spend three years in that country before you could come home. Wow. And it was, this was in the 60s and the 50s, so it wasn't like you were seeing your family. Like That's might, a huge commitment, especially as a huge. young person. Yeah, I know. So my dad was the second son. My uncle was picked first, couldn't go, because my grandfather said, sorry, you're the first son, you're staying here. So as you can imagine, that probably that worked out really well for my uncle and dad's <laughs> yeah. relationship. <laughs> Um, yeah, so my dad was, I think, the ninth person to come over. So he went to St. Paul's. Um, Wait, and then, sorry, just under, this is just in your family? Like this the family? in my family, yeah. That's okay. So, um, well, he was the ninth person to come over on the exchange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so my dad, and he, he went to school, um, small school on the East Coast, did not speak English um, when he started there, so when they had him write stories about plays or something that he had seen, he could describe the curtain and he could describe the seats, but he couldn't relate what had happened because he didn't understand the words that they were saying. So he came as an immigrant, spent three years here, started college here, and then continued college here, left and came back and, and built his family here. Okay. So I guess we've had this, cohesive trying to bridge cultures and communications and and gaps and narratives in our family for for a while um, and here you are with a podcast like the deep beautiful irony in that that's so awesome yeah yeah it's meant to be so I grew up um in California and went to Tokyo a lot of summers um for forced Japanese mm-hmm. education oh okay so mm-hmm. I did ballet I, I Sarah went to Japanese school in Japan in, in the summers for yes. like a month at a time. Wait, wait, so you'd go to school out here and then your family, like the tradition was to go back to Japan and take Japanese schooling? They just didn't know what to do. Basically from the time I was 10, I would be sent to Japan by myself instead oh, of summer okay. camp. Go hang out with your grandma. They oh. didn't know what to do with me. And so okay. <laughs> it was a two-month thing and the Japanese school was still in session for a month of it. So they were like, well, why wouldn't we just enroll her in the local school? So I'd be like the token <laughs> foreigner in the 80s um, going to the local school. Wow. That's so you had no summer vacation? <laughs> Did? I was in Tokyo Disneyland. Oh, okay, okay, okay. She got that. Okay. Um, I mean, summer vacation is really nothing to write home about in general, but just speaking basically, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> so, yes. 
lots of summers in Japan. Okay. I went to college, which is where we met, and we can tell that story in a Where did you bit. guys go to college? Uh, we went to Harvard. Okay. I was wondering when someone was going to say it, but go ahead, girls. Okay. Yes. We went to Harvard. We met uh, both coming out of a meeting that was for the Half Asian People's Association, where the question presented was, are we half a person or double a person? And that's when Sarah and I, and probably a couple other people, collectively decided that this was not a conversation that we thought was worth having and yeah. got up and walked out. And so in our resistance, we met each other. Wait, and this was happening at Harvard? Yeah. Of all places? Okay. Yeah. And what was the timeline on this? So this was your freshman year and my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So mid-90s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. That's not that long ago. No. Okay. It feels like a lifetime. Well, I know. I mean, I mean <laughs> I'm sitting, I graduated in 99, so yes, I'm with you. But to have, think that's a conversation then mind-blowing to me yes okay so I also after graduation I sold my soul to finance it's a theme yeah and lived in Tokyo and Singapore a little bit of time in Hong Kong for a couple of years decided that this was not going to be my dream job yeah for a whole host of reasons and came back to New York to go to law school this is just a whole other kind of selling your soul, but I mean, you are a masochist when it comes to education. But respect, okay. This I is am. like you are never leaving the library. Yes. Well, as a side note, my parents got their stereotypical Asian dream. My brother's a doctor. Oh yes. I'm a lawyer. Okay. Right. Good luck to whoever you guys marry. It's like a whole thing. Okay. So I still am a lawyer, but when I graduated from law school, I went into big firm law, worked a million hours, Mm -hmm. did trials, got completely burned out. So I got married and my husband is a black man from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. We, at the time, he's also an attorney. We were working at different firms. We still, he, you know, has gone on and stayed at big firm life, but we have two boys. And when we had our second son, I was like, this is it. Yeah. Um, it is not a profession. It's working towards being better for women, but it yeah. is still not a profession. Which, Meaning it's like a man's world is what you're implying? In particular, I was in intellectual property. So okay. patents, hard sciences, of which I was not a hard science person, but trade secrets, a lot of that is still very male-dominated. So it was very difficult for partners to hear that I couldn't do a conference call at five because I had to be home to relieve our nanny because we did have one at the time. Yeah. Because their thought was, well, don't you have someone who does that? It's like, yes, that person is me. Um, I understand you have someone at home who does that, but that, that, that is me. Okay. So it was a time, it was time for a change. So I did a complete 180 and opened a bar fitness studio. Oh, okay. I had taught bar fitness for years. I had danced for a long time. And so I opened a bar fitness studio. I ran it for several years, sold it a couple of years ago, um, went back doing part-time litigation, and <laughs> can't get away. I just, I, I just love it so much. Um, <laughs> and then we, Sarah and I, decided to make this podcast thing happen. And so that has been been great. So it's been a balance of being a litigator, very logical, logic-oriented person. I went back to fitness coaching um, to do megaformer fitness coaching okay. now. And and then there are the boys. I, I was <laughs> going to say, and their parents. Let's yeah. just keep that in there. Um, I, I love this so much. And I you can... 
I obviously knew their background. If you listen to their very first podcast, they do an eloquent job of explaining their background and rhythm. And so if you couldn't catch all that, listen to their first episode. They do a great job. Um, so I had to pretend like I didn't know a little bit. And usually I don't do research <laughs> on who's coming on because I love people talking about themselves from their point of view because mm-hmm. you can Google and search everything nowadays. And it's, that's, that's for everyone else. Um, so check them out on that. I, I just love that, you know, it's kind of like I lost my voice. I found it. I had breakdown, breakthrough. And how beautiful it is that you now pack all this wealth of experience to come and share your voice and give all these life lessons now for anyone to listen to. I mean, that wealth of experience and academic, you know, exposure and family and, I mean, cultures and countries. And I mean, there's so much there to unpack. It's phenomenal. It makes me as, you know, a consumer and a listener in America um, happy that people are coming to the table and coming to the mic and sharing this experience, experience from authentic space. Uh, you didn't just sit behind a computer and learn about and Google, you know, Japanese culture and this and like, and, you know, some of my academics, it's, it's a lot of reading and, you know, exposure, education versus experience. Um, so it's, it's so wonderful that you guys can bring both of those to the table and then share that accordingly. Um, that's, I mean, any listener, that is such a gift to streamline that, all those experiences into a conversation. So that's huge. So I just want to put, put kudos out for that. Uh, you're welcome as you know I do a lot of like personal branding and management and my passion piece for starting the podcast is to bring transparency to the game Uh, I hail a lot from you know marketing branding whether it's you know a major sport fitness apparel situation or a small consumer package good I've kind of worked with all different levels and the humans behind a lot of that and there's phenomenal people in the mix and there is a lack of trans- transparency if anyone knows supplements or consumer packaged goods or even personal brand management. Not everyone is telling the truth and not everybody brings to the amount of experience, not even a quarter of it, of what you guys have. So to know you're coming in and, and using your voice and sharing what you have learned is miles ahead of a lot. Um, and that other major side of my passion piece of this podcast um, is recognizing the power of the microphone of marketing of influence. Our kiddos have cell phones, you know, at six months and there's, there's, I'm not kidding you. They're watching, you know, these kids unwrap toys and whatnot. And they're drinking in ads as they're watching kids play with toys on YouTube. I mean, the influence of, we can have whole conversations. I know. know. I'm not even a parent yet. So I like, okay, dogs, that's enough TV time. Um, but I know again, I'm on the marketing side. So I know how powerful these messages are. And if reality is nothing more than perceived meaning, you know, like really OG philosophy, Who's creating that? Our marketing companies? And then I come in, I'm like, well, maybe they're not all telling the truth. It's like, well, shit. Okay. This is this is like my graceful disruption. Like, okay, let's bring to the table. So, again, just to reiterate, like the fact that you guys have the experience you do and now you're taking on the responsibility and the opportunity to share your voice, huge. Um, so, <laughs> long transition there. Uh, tell us about Dear White Women, the podcast. Like, tell me a little bit about the why. Um, you kind of led into like, right, why right now, but why right now, what's it about? And what do you hope to do with it? So I think after 2016, we, it was a big wake up call for both of us in because of the election, because of the election. And I think before that we had been having, I mean, we've had conversations about race, about gender, about all those things, just as friends, as friends forever. Sure. But it became very real that we were in a divided country in Mm -hmm. which people are moving more and more into their individual spheres. And for me, in particular, what was happening in the media and how people of color were being treated was, as a parent, scary, super scary. Because here's the example that I always give, and it's very true and 
the moment that I realized this, I was frightened for my kids. So I have two boys mm -hmm. and my husband is black. My husband has been black and for his whole life, obviously, <laughs> and been profiled for that for his whole life. Yeah. Uh, driving while black is a thing. Uh, being stopped while black is a thing. Mm -hmm. Being questioned when he's on the playground with my son in our neighborhood is a thing. And what was heartbreaking for me is I thought that there is an actual chance that my husband walks out our door. One of my sons walks out our door and doesn't come back yeah. because of the color of his skin, because he's wearing a hoodie, because he has a cap gun, because someone just doesn't like him, because he's driving a car, because he's in a car. There are so many ways and so many examples that we have seen in which there is, there is privilege and there is disparate treatment of different people and that fear I don't we didn't want anyone any parent any human to have that fear mm -hmm. so in order to really address that though we had to have conversations and we had to start talking about it because these are fears that were new to me but they were not new to my all of my in-laws they were yeah. not new to a whole host of people every person of color but they were new in the in the circles that I moved in, in the communities that we were in. Yeah. It was very new to discuss these. So we wanted to bring these out to acknowledge that these are difficult conversations. These are really hard to have when you take a hard look at what we are like in the United States and, yeah. and how we can be better. But we wanted to do that to show other people that, hey, you can have these conversations. And through these conversations, you can make a change. You can have it be better. It mm -hmm. can be better at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's about the external observations and structures and history and institutions that have been in place for years. But I think the other thing we do is it's about that moment you take for yourself. And you're like, oh, shit, did I have that thought too? Right. Did I cross the street because there's a black guy coming down the street? Like, right. Have I ever done that? Have I? And it just gives that opportunity for reflection, not just on why we are where we're at now. But what are the things that we hold inside that we don't want to admit? Mm -hmm. But if they're true, it's okay that they're, it's not, I mean, it's, I, I say it funny, but like, it's there, it's there. Let's yeah. acknowledge it and let's yeah. unpack it and let's figure out what you can do to change that. Yeah. Not to not listen to your gut instinct, right? If something feels unsafe, you, you know, sure, cross the street, do whatever yeah. you need to do, but just give yourself that moment to think again and, sure. and process it. So yeah, I mean, we basically decided to have these conversations, and she brings the history and the law. Mm -hmm. I bring the psychology and human thriving, and we have these conversations. <laughs> and I bring the, the tequila, in case you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and can we talk about these shirts for a second? Because Absolutely. You were talking about branding, and for those who are listening, you can't see us, but we're wearing... They're wearing their brand. I mean, yeah, it's it's good. It wasn't just to show up on here. Oh no, <laughs> I didn't even like, question it. But they went, they're they're like so humble and kind. Like we didn't. I'm like, oh no, you bring all the logos, and you know me. I walk around like a walking billboard, mostly just because it's funny and I'm that a hole. But also because it is good branding and it's important. So I complete respect. I appreciate you wanting to clarify. But, but we so welcome. we got asked. We were really psyched. We were asked to do a event at the Denver Women's March. Yes. So we just huge, which is really incredible, yeah. and I'm so glad that. They took what I think was getting criticized for being a predominantly white. See, I didn't really even centered. know about this. Let's can we unpack this just briefly, and then we'll get back to your podcast. Like, so Women's March, it's been going on for three years, right? Yeah, this is the fourth year. Fourth year, okay. So this is the fourth year. Um, Denver is one of the larger ones, and I, I thought it was all positive. I want to say it's around a million people. Is that right? Here or yeah. nationwide? No, no, I thought it was I here. Think, I thought it was uh, huge. It was, but I think as 
I don't know whether it's complacency that's set in since the initial outrage okay. about the election and like we need to really fight and then okay. people have dwindled. But there's also been enough criticism, I think, that had people say, well, we're showing up to march. A, is anything changing? B, are yeah. we really representing all women, not just white women? Okay. You know, what's the narrative? And I think Denver did an interesting thing, which was to split from the national narrative. Oh, see, I didn't know that either. I don't, I mean, full transparency, I don't know a ton about the event. And I honestly didn't even know what was going on the past three. I mean, I knew the women's march as a whole was happening. Um, but I didn't know Denver's was happening or that it was that big. Um, so when you, we had spoke, I'm like, oh. Well, this is huge. And then the more I dug into it, I'm like, this is phenomenal. And as a newer cast, it's a huge nod to you guys to be invited into the mix. So regardless of what the logistics were, it's a, you know, mad congratulations on for you guys. Um, but about the event specifically, the more I unpacked it with my friends, I would, and this is kind of like the uncomfortable conversation that's coming on as I have my podcast, but um, like, you know, we don't want to go to the, the event. We believe some of these events actually marginalize our women further. And I'm like, oh. Okay, like tell me all the things. Um, and I could kind of see that side, eh, but I'm somebody that's, if you have something to say, say it. If you want to be seen, go do it. If you want to be heard, talk about it. Like to take a stand and not do something isn't my natural space. So, but it was just interesting for me to hear that side of it. So then when you had said there was some kickback on it, I was like, okay. We... I think they did a phenomenal, I mean, you tell me okay. you think too. This year they did a I've heard nothing but good things. job. And they changed the spelling so it's not women with an E, it's W-O-M-X-N to represent all sorts of women and the harassment and the abuse that we've taken also. And then they switched it from just a march to an expo. Yes. Where, I mean, it was packed. The expo was, yes. They said there were 1,200 people in there in the first okay. 15 minutes, which is basically capacity. And it started at like 9.30 or something. I saw the traffic this mm-hmm. morning. It was crazy. No, not crazy early, but pretty early for it to start and then go essentially all day. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was, so that was impressive. It was powerful. And I, okay. I applaud them. I mean, I'm really, really grateful that they invited us on, obviously, yeah. because it was a great opportunity for us. But the fact that they are inviting uncomfortable conversations, that they yeah. wanted us to purposely talk about stuff that's not the mainstream narrative. I mean, hat tip to all of the board. Yeah. For, Agreed. Yeah. For making that opportunity and, and really running with it. So, well, I think that's, uh, and this is where I think you you guys are so poised at the right time without like strategic, you know, business agenda. They need people of, you know, different races and different origin and all the two to represent the conversation. So if there's nine white women planning it. They need you guys, not to take away from any of the credentials, but they need the credentials plus like the authentic space of coming from that arena to speak on behalf of it. So your timing around all of it is like, it's incredible. Like, of course, opportunity is going to come. Um, so I don't know, it's, just, it's exciting and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I hold space for all events because I know how hard it is to plan. I mean, I've never worked on an event on that scale, but to plan that, execute it, and get all the moving parts are hard. But then to take an extra layer of finding, again, authentic speakers, not just going through what's easy. A, a friend of a friend that has a cast, let's just put them up there. They have dark hair, that's good enough. You know, let's get them up there. So, I, you know, I, I applaud my event humans that go that extra mile because it really does make a huge difference. So, that, all that is to say, that's why we're wearing these sweatshirts. Because <laughs> yeah, so they're <laughs> Check out the that. branding, I'll tag them, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the cast. Um, you know, we, we were talking about kind of the our unconscious um, social and cultural norms. It, like you said, you cross the street. Do I go jogging at night as a female? No. Like all these things that are ingrained and is, is conscious, I think, 
as we are, or as I try to be, you know, having a cast and being in the mix of, you know, what's relevant or trying to push the trend-setting tip towards larger conversation, I'm kind of in it. I know for, let's say, not our regular humans, but people that aren't, it's not, it doesn't involve their job or their professional space. So there's no reason outside of their own heart space to like dive into these conversations. Um, I think it's, it's, it's hard. And it's, you know, if we get locked into like kiddos and job and our daily, we're busy or whatever the good excuse is, it's kind of hard to want to ruffle feathers or want to push the needle forward when life's kind of easy. And I'm not saying I justify that. And I do understand, you know, if it's, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy. If I'm, you know, worrying about food and rent and whatever, I'm not worried about gluten and racism. Like, <laughs> it's just not a thing. Right. So, yeah. and that's fair. Like, you, you, we are human beings. Like, we're, you know, humans at the end of the day. Um, so how do you guys... I should say it this way. I applaud you guys. My first experience at Be Golden, they had a speaker come out and it was basically like, white women are the problem. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. What did I do? <laughs> what did I do? Like, let's, <laughs> I've been on the defense before. Like, let's, let's unpack this. Um, and it's not that I agreed or disagreed at that point. Like, it's still kind of a new conversation for me. And again, uh, athlete, education, all of the privileged things, still, still new conversation. The way it was approached was such a learning experience for me because it's like I felt so attacked. And so then what does that evoke? Defense. So this is my dog, Cleo, in the background. Don't mind her. Um, and so I, I saw, you know, in these heavy conversations, key point for me that I enter in as a space of safe space. Let's have a conversation. I'm here to hear your view, whatever it is. Please listen to mine. And then let's see why we're similar or different. So what I love what you guys do is present the facts, present what, what it is, then present your opinion. But it's, it's alongside the angles of... Uh, we want to conversate. We do want to make the world a better place. It's not here to blame or be mad or what have you. And all those emotions are justified. It's how do we get to the next level? How do we move the needle, you know, for our kiddos and future generations to understand one another better? Um, so long-winded point, how do you guys balance that coming into the cast of, you know, maybe managing some of those emotions of anger and blame and those things, justifiable? How... How do you guys come at, you know, white women delivering the message? Is that strategic for you that it comes in a balanced approach? Or tell me what that space is. So I think part, a lot of it, and we've talked about this um, at length. Uh, Us talk a lot. I know, <laughs> I know that sounds very surprising. But a lot of it comes, and, and we recognize that sometimes there is this disparity between, you know, what's talked about it, because of a knowledge gap, right? Yeah. And it's, it's ignorance, but it's not necessarily purposeful ignorance or, you know, you're trying to ignore something. It's just you honestly don't know. Total lack of exposure. Right. And there's a lot of history in this country that we have not really acknowledged in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think slavery is a great example of that. And, and if we can't acknowledge that they're in all those, all of our societal constructs, then it, it's really hard to have that conversation. So I yeah. think we come from a place of really trying to break that down to so that we're educating, mm -hmm. but in a, in a way that's approachable. Right? Yeah, because yeah. we're not trying to blame anyone because sometimes you're you're ignorant because and it, that's not your fault necessarily. One of the things that you pointed out, or like in some of the research we've done, was the difference literally in the textbooks between mm -hmm. states. So if yeah. you grew up in Louisiana, your understanding of slavery, I think it was something like under 10 mentions of slavery in the entire wow. state textbook, whereas Massachusetts was over several hundred mentions, right? That's such a great point. Right. And how you're exposed to it. So how you're exposed to it from a very early age. And I was thinking about this 
I'm going to tell the social studies. Um, oh yeah, story. that's a great story. By all means. Well, so my older son has to do a so- had to do a social studies project, and a I thought this was really early for a project because and he's in California. He's this young, point, right? yes. Okay, and so I was it's whatever. Good. It's, it's whatever. How old was he? He seven. Oh wow. So okay. Right. So <laughs> I was doing like um, dioramas school gets, then. School gets okay. hardcore very early. These okay. Days, apparently, but it was about countries of origin. Okay. And so he needed to draw, it was a whole diagram, and he needed to draw the flags of his family's country of origin and do the dress of his family's country of origin. And so it's like, great, on my side is Japanese, Scottish, English. And then I was like, oh, shit, because it was a conversation that was going to involve slavery. Because from my, my husband's side, we can't trace it back because slavery destroyed all records of wow. what country of origin my husband's family is from. So we can say Africa is a continent, but we don't know anything really past that, which is not a normal construct. I think if you've never had to think about that, you don't not think about Not at seven, about, certainly. Like, right. So but even not as an adult. Have 40, we yeah, about yeah. Right? No. When you're thinking of a country of origin pro- projects, I never had this issue growing up. And so we're sitting there. It's like, okay, so here's how it is. Yeah. There was slavery. He's like, that really sucked. Like, yeah. yes, it really sucked. Um, and it's part of our history, and this directly impacts our family. Yeah. How should we talk about this in this project? So what we settled on is we would do the, the flags of my side of the family, and for my husband's side of the family, we would say, because of slavery, we can't trace anything further back than Africa as a whole. So I told his teacher, because... I didn't know if he was going to get up in class and be like, yo, so we're, there's all this thing, there's this slavery thing, and he's the only half black kid in his class. So that was oh, going to be real okay. shocking for a whole bunch. And there's no other black kids in the class? Or- nope. No. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and she, to her credit, she was really cool with it. She said, look, it is, it is a thing. It's a thing that's real for your family. And we're okay. not going to go deep into, you know, the history of slavery in this country at seven, but we are going to mention it and acknowledge it because it's also a learning moment for the kids in the class yeah. and for their parents. Because when they come home and say, hey, this kid mentioned this, this is an opportunity to start having those conversations. Because yeah. there's all that information out there that shows that rather than saying things like we don't see race, we, yeah. everyone sees race. Kids see race from a very early age. And the earlier we have those conversations and, and as parents or as people who know young humans, it's so great to be able to have those conversations in a really open way so that when they're 16 or 13 or whatever their whenever their history book goes into the details of or not of slavery mm-hmm. they're not blindsided yeah. and immediately defensive because yeah. they didn't know this and suddenly they're feeling like they're something they did something wrong or their ancestors did something wrong so you know it was it was eye opening for me as a parent and as a human in that moment, yeah. we were going to have to have this conversation. We're going to have it now. Yeah. So, and it's a, a thing that I think a lot of white families don't realize. I wish I had my, like, I always pull up this cheat sheet. It's like, your kids are not too young to talk about. <laughs> I was thinking about your cheat sheet. But I think if I'm remembering it correctly, but kids as young as six months can recognize the difference in, in skin tone. Okay. And by age about four, kids are showing peak racism, like differentiation wow. by race. Okay. And there's a study that they did, regardless of race, this was a, a red shirt, blue shirt kindergarten study, where they separated oh, kids. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this, I'm just, tell it for everyone else. Right. This is so very relevant. Red shirt, blue shirt, 
they've had kids in a kindergarten class. They split it in half. Arbitrarily, half of them wore red one the whole week, and the other half wore blue the whole week. Um, there was no separation about them before then, but by the end of the week, they asked, what do you think about red shirts? And they're like, we're cool. What do you think about blue shirts? Well, there's nothing wrong with them, but we're better. Yeah. So even at kindergarten, you can see similarities and you band together. And it's not necessarily that everyone's worse, but you think you're better. Yeah. And that's just human. That's, that's it's like rooting for your sports team or where you're from or what yeah. have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, the, this is a whole other conversation and podcast, but it, it still fascinates me to this day of at what point were we as humans, even if you have that, like, I'm better than you, another human's waiting on you or taking care of you or like, you not just stand there and think you're better than somebody, but they're actually of service to you. Like, at what point was that a piece of the puzzle and then that came down to slavery, you know, hundreds of years in the making and then carried through? Like, it just blows my mind as a human being, you could treat another person like that. And again, I know I didn't live it, I'm not from it. And and now as I unpack it further, it's further mind-blowing of like, you had somebody live in your house and you treated somebody, I mean, just, it, it blows my mind. Like, it literally blows my mind. Um, so it's fascinating, again, as human beings, you kind of like unpack our, our deep, deep DNA and like, and then you add in social and cultural norms. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so fascinating to me. And then again, from the marketing branding lens, lens you see this group think and this, these points of influence, whether it's a paid spokesperson or a parent that finally decides to speak up and say, we're going to talk about this now. The ripple effect of that influence is huge. And if you have young kiddo, you know, that's identifying race at four, okay, well, how long has he been watching YouTube since he was two? So now it's two years of influence in addition to what are the older school studies to now it's what their immediate environment is and what's on the cell phone. Well, so to that point, I think what I was going to say was people who are of color mm-hmm. have these conversations with their kids like all the time, from the yeah. time they're babies. And so many white families are like, I don't talk to my kid about race. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable, but it's it's not that people of color want to talk about it. They have to in order to survive right. or because projects come up in social studies. You know, and so why it's just yet another easy way for us if you have a predominantly white family have the race conversation. Continue yeah. to talk about it. It's not like what one sit down moment where you're like there's this thing called race yeah. and we're different, but it's all the little teachable moments where you can engage in the conversation. It can happen with at dinner parties for us adults too, where people just say offhand comments and instead of shying away or keeping the peace, there's a way to communicate without it being like a big yeah. fucking deal. You right. can just have the conversation. Right. And point out the stuff. So, And when you guys, maybe on the cast or in those moments, have you seen once someone is receptive or hears you and then you kind of get where you don't disagree, then you agree, then you kind of find all the, the layers that you do have in common? Where it's like, I had no idea, but I'm so glad you said that and you know I'd love to hear more about this I love that you guys are doing a podcast like has it like kind of opened up a door where maybe like you're on a different point of the platform and then there you guys find the commonalities within I think I mean I think maybe by virtue of the fact that we both grew up having to have those two narratives in our lives because we're half you know half white half Asian yeah you know we've always personally had to bridge that gap so I don't I feel like I can float in conversation with a lot of different groups sure what I found in terms of our podcast listeners so far, I think you have people willing to come along for the ride and engage and be like, that's interesting, or I may not agree. And then you have the people who are like, you called it the Dear White Women podcast. You're racist. Yeah. You shouldn't call out white women like that. And so it's we have to differentiate our capacity and energy to be like, well, who can we have this conversation with so it's productive? Because yeah. there are so many different people and so many different experiences and everything that has made them. I think it's 
we have to say not only is it our life that brought us to where we are and all of our, we're mm-hmm. not just the summation of our experiences, but the generations that come before us. Absolutely. And so people just come to this conversation from different points. And yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, the reason I don't want to forget, the reason I asked that is because the more, and I can, Turmeric and Tequila is designed to not be an expert really in anything, but to pull out the experts in all these different heavy conversations that need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then present that to my audience or audience that will soon be there um, to be like, okay, well you want to know about what's going on with equality or racism or, you know, fatness fiction or what have you. Um, and the reason I asked that was because the more I unpack these conversations and we usually, we usually agree, but like say we didn't agree, the more we unpack and get to know each other, the more I'm like, Oh my God, we're really not that different. And as cliche as that sounds, it's the honest to God truth, whether it's again about colorism or, fatness fiction or whatever we started to get like to the human side and I'm like oh my god my mom did that too or what so I don't know I just didn't know if there was like once we get past the, like the hard conversation it is hard but is it that hard once we keep going and then talk about it and it's like oh you know what I actually do see what you're saying and I experienced you know not the same thing at all but like I felt off I don't know whatever like the commonality is as the conversation continues that's what I've seen with my podcast I didn't know if that was like a piece of your guys's puzzle of what's happened yet well I think it's there's sort of two ways to look at that too one is i think people are used to a a singular narrative um and what we are trying to do is really bring out the differing narrative Mm -hmm. in my house i've I've said this before to you but one of the reasons why i was attracted to my husband in the first place is because i felt like he's so sexy (laughs) (laughs) good friends say that yeah shout out Uh, but (laughs) it's because Growing up half Japanese, half white, there was always a dual narrative in mm-hmm. my experience. Even if, and I, as my kids even told me, I look more white than, than Auntie me, Sarah. Apparently. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> which, which, okay. Yes. yes. I look my age. Judge accordingly, okay. y'all. Yeah, okay. My kids, total judge of race. Okay. Uh, kids will tell the truth, by will. the way. But, you know, living this dual existence in the United States and my husband being a black American lives that dual existence as well because he's a black american he's an american but it is very dual in in certain whatever sphere he's in it's yeah. it's changing and he's been told he speaks so well and he's Ugh. been yes okay. <laughs> exactly and, but he's he is so used to it and you know we have these conversations in our house now starting starting to with our boys which yeah. is heartbreaking also but I think a lot of what we do is bring out those different narratives and that is difficult for people because if you're used to one narrative and that's the dominant narrative and that's the narrative you're comfortable with, it takes a while to get to that place. And the other barrier to sort of getting to that place is your natural reaction, right? To, to being told that, Hey, maybe the way you're thinking about this, or what if we think about it this way, it's our natural reaction to be very defensive to that, to want to block out. I know it's my natural reaction for sure. Yeah. So, getting past the defensiveness is something that we really talk about a lot and work on. And we try to highlight those narratives to, to find those commonalities Mm -hmm. for a listener to hear a story about someone who looks nothing like them and maybe nothing like them, but to hear those moments where you can mesh and you understand connect in some capacity. Exactly. Like you were saying, my mom does that too. Yeah. Those are what we're looking for. So sometimes it doesn't happen in the conversation, but we're hoping it happens as, when you're sitting with that afterwards, because we talk a lot about sitting with your feelings, yeah. sitting with that defensiveness, sitting with the anger, sitting with the irritation. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, 
we're human beings. Yeah. Everybody that we're talking about is a human being, and we experience the same emotions. We might experience the world differently. Totally. But our our humanity remains the same. And so the more we can build empathy and paint everybody who has become a caricature of themselves mm-hmm. and remove that, like just start, I don't know, peeling back the layers and being like, oh, wait, here's the humanity in it. Do yeah. they deserve that? Yeah, they might have made a bad choice. Do they deserve that punishment? Or, you know, just just to try to be curious yeah. about, am I looking at this truly in a way that is an accurate representation or is am I putting my own values and my own lens on this? Yeah. And I, I mean, even just that simple question of like, why am I thinking this and, and, and where did that come from? Is it what I actually think? Did I get this from media? Did I get it from my parents? Did I get it from my friends, some influencer? Like, where is that coming? And I think even just to ask if that was the next step in the right direction, I would take that. Like, that to me, it's, it's certainly, it's not that it's not enough, but our young people in particular, like, kind of questioning that better way and just, like, getting more in touch with themselves earlier is, I mean, it's huge. And as you, as you guys both kind of said and then alluded to, it's so many generations prior to us that put us exactly where we are. Like change is slow. I mean, things like change kind of happens fast, but like in the major scheme of things, it takes a lot. And like these little actions are major pivotal points. And then it takes like the next person to like carry the torch onto the next level. And that's a huge undertaking. And like, even if we can't see it right away, like ideally the generation after us, you know, picks what they can and then like continues it forward. Um, so, I don't know, the ripple effect is, is just so huge. So, I think it's important to keep the door open. And I do think that skill, of like the critical thinking skill, I yeah. mean, one is missing in our education system. At least, I don't think I learned how to think until college. Right? I learned how to memorize shit. Good job, Harvard. You, you got something. You did it. You did it out there. Okay. She's going to be doing promotional videos now. No. Go, girl. Yeah. But I think that that skill is exactly that. It's a skill that's yeah. not just about race. Then it's like, are smartphones really good for our kids? Nope. It kind of goes, nope. or, or, you know, you you can live a better life if you, I'm not saying be skeptical about everything and everyone, right? Like trust your gut and all that sort of stuff. But I think just having a lens of questioning yes. is a healthy way, healthy, we can create a healthier life and not just a short game of, well, what will that do for me tomorrow or, you know, in the next week, but yeah. what is that going to do 30 years down the road? And we've talked about, I think in the States, we're really, really short sighted and our elections are every four years, and, and yeah. what will make it through today. But other countries take a really long game. Oh, my God. Well, look what's still going on. Look at yeah. the Middle East and everything else. Oh, I mean, there's yeah. women's rights. Like, there's so much we can unpack there that, yes, in America, as much as we can, you know, romanticize or criticize some things going on, we do have a lot of positivity. Like, there is – there's a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. And we can walk around as – free women and drive a car and speak our minds and do podcasts like I, of course I think that's the norm and I think we should acknowledge like there this is still going on mm-hmm. well and unless you are aware going back to education yeah. and information unless yeah. you know what life is like in other countries you have no idea how good so many people feel oh, in this country yes yes again Maslow's hierarchy but it's and yes. also wealth inequality like right, you know, yeah. there's always the asterisks and digging down into it but you know just be thoughtful yeah, agreed. I again from the marketing and branding lens, I always I, I kind of chuckle when companies spend so much money on the packaging, completely necessary, and you, you unpack it. It's always about the product, and to me, that's kind of like humanity and how we are as humans. Like, okay, we are the skin color and looks and all these things and Botox and blowouts and all my favorites. And you take all that away, it's like your soul and your heart. It, it's it's the same. It's the product. It's like what's really there. So like the packaging, okay, whatevs. It's like, what is the product? Like, what's really happening here? 
And again, the other common denominator that comes around um, all the different podcasts is that that human space. Like we just really are human. And if you can take care of yourself, that is like almost the baseline of every cast that I've had. Take care of yourself. Question that better way. Like get to know you. Mm-hmm. Then we do like the, yeah. you know, change the world, mm-hmm. heal the world, everything else. Um, do you want to lean a little bit into like the balance around academic science and energy universe how that plays a role you're talking to a reiki yes i didn't know how far i didn't know how far you wanted to go into it but i was just gonna like drop that scene and let you run with it she's like i roll when i yeah but we get energy stuff she's like that is not how i operate it depends i mean there's some energy stuff that i believe in but sometimes we're admittedly kind of on the far and that's okay. I love that there's even like yeah. two different sides between you two, like presenting a, a position um, aligned, and then within the relationship, there's also, you know, not aligned. What's the opposite of alignment? Disalignment. Disalignment. Okay, I wasn't sure. I was like, I'm making words up. <laughs> but which to also, her credit, she yeah. accepts me and loves me anyway. Yes, and right? that's like, the whole point. Yes, she yeah. it doesn't have to be her life. It's yeah. my life, and she gives me this. That's one of the things I have loved about you forever is that Same. you don't judge me. You make you support me and love me because whatever it is, you see the inside yeah. of somebody and. I mean, I just appreciate that. So, oh, could love and that, but but again, that's authentic space that this entire your message is stemming from. Like even that is so huge. You're not only preaching and talking and and are justified in speaking what you're talking about. You're living it and you're doing it and you're being it. That is so huge. And that's I think the lack of transparency in marketing branding world, which it's really not all about business, but the influence is so there in society and culture. It's so important. So when it stems from authentic space, it completely changes like the entire path moving forward. So that's huge. Um, so that was a wonderful little authentic movement that just proves your entire point. <laughs> Best friends, wine and toe painting. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about your Reiki and to, just because I love the science. I know, but I love the science and academic, and then the woo and like I love how they cross over. I I had my my um, akashic records read, and so wait wait I don't know akashic records. Yes. What is, no, I don't know this. Full, I'm going to need a full explanation. Effectively, you know the idea of the Book of Life? Yes. I have run across a woman who wrote an incredible book. Uh, and when we were both writing books together, actually, and she was like, do you want me to read your, your records for you? And it's basically like, what is your, all of the stuff that has gotten you to where you are kind of thing. Oh, like all your past lives, or anything, yes. I think, is my understanding of it. But as I was talking briefly, and then she, it was like this dialogue, but she was like, you are meant to bridge the gap. Because I always said, look... I know that I have the capacity to be intellectual, but I also know that I am really ruled by energy. And I don't understand because I have felt inadequate because energy is woo and it was not good enough. And intellectually, I'm like, but I'm not tough enough. Like, I really am more sensitive to everything, like energy, food, all the things. And I'm like, what the hell? And she said, you are actually meant to bridge the gap because you speak both the language of professional stuff and energy stuff. Turmeric and tequila. Yes. Right. I'm here for it. Yes. <laughs> you talk in your professional world about setting goals and in your other world, it's manifestation and it's the same damn thing. It's the I same it. so, Yes. Thing. I cannot agree more. Yeah. hundred percent. So that's my take on it. Wait, why? Goals is different, but... Really quick. Why did you feel like those worlds were battling because you couldn't be both things like in general? I felt a long, for a long time when I, as I was silenced, like not, nobody silenced me. I silenced myself and I, I really had a hard time being a stay at home mom. So I think I was in a funk for a while. Sure. I, my kids are amazing and they've taught me so much. Mm-hmm. And I think that during that time, having come from 
Harvard, working at Goldman Sachs. Like mm-hmm. I was at the external valid. I did all the check marks for all the sure. things that say you're successful. And I made a lot of money back then, you know? Yeah. Then I went to making zero money, having zero external validation. My kids weren't like, you wiped my ass really well today, mom. Thanks. But like, it's the most no... important job in the world. <laughs> but That's our future. tells you it. It is. Yes. It is, but it's a mind fuck. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so to me, having that silence for a while, my default when I was really rediscovering my voice was, what are all those people? The, the, Harvard, Goldman, people going to say about me? And what would they say if I showed up as a Reiki healer who was really happy staying home with my kids Mm -hmm. and contributing in my corner of the world versus changing the world and gallivanting about and doing all these adventures? Mm -hmm. Who am I? And is that okay? Am I enough? Mm-hmm. And I just finished reading Michelle Obama's Becoming. And like, she oh, asked herself, oh, that's yeah. great, right? I yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, and she talks about, am I good enough? Who am I? Like, I think that is, we talk about overachievers, right? Mm-hmm. And and I feel like it probably is the perpetual question in the mind of people. It's never who, enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And I finally have gotten to a point where I'm enough. Yeah. And I feel really great about it. But it, I think in that transition, when I was really accepting that I am a sensitive person, I don't have to apologize for it anymore. It allows me to have conversations and empathy and build trust with people that might not otherwise initially do that with someone who shows up like me. They do. And I have that. I'm really grateful for who I am because I can show up in that way. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, I felt like I had to prove it to those other people. Of course. And so that's why I thought it was not good enough. I think we won't digress in this, but isn't that kind of like a wonderful parallel of like the whole conversation you're having around like two white women, like it's the social and cultural norms of, they think like maybe they're acting in behalf of a way or maybe not, but of how impacting that society or group think is on not only your choices and your decisions, but what you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of this, it's a different conversation, but kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Like we are such a product of our environment and what's going on around us in consciously and unconsciously. It's, it's, it's a similar scenario. And that's where I, it, the more I try and unpack stuff from my own world, I'm like, bitch, fix yourself. Like whatever it is, <laughs> like get reins on it because I can't understand or question any of these other things until I have my shit in order. Mm-hmm. And until it's, I don't know, I could say it's in order, but we're getting there. Um, but it, we're always a progress. Yeah. Right. And, that's, yeah. and I'm okay so with that. And then you change. Yes. Like, it's okay to be Yeah. And that's on. living. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but having that awareness is so huge. So I was just curious and I love that it was the energy and woo and people do, people are in love with resume. Like they love it. That's what we're trained to, to be. And I mean, my mom is absolutely the strongest female I know. I'm like a huge influence of, of everything I do now. And I've, you know, thus far not chosen to have a family or anything, but I know how important of a job and how hard it was for her to be at home and do all these things. And she's equipped to do everything I do and then some. Um, but that was so important. So I won't digress for there. But I just think the parallel of these conversations is so incredible. Um, how one kind of mirrors the others, but it's two different things. Mm-hmm. I'm winding down a rabbit hole. But <laughs> so we're doing, we're doing Reiki and energy. Um, give me, give me your thoughts on where it appeals and where it maybe doesn't appeal as much. Well, so I thought about this some because, you know, for a lot of my legal career, mm-hmm. I taught fitness and that is somewhere where you have to read energy because you can't, yes. you can't teach a class of, you know, 11 people in a megaformer or 27 people in a bar fitness room without understanding what the energy feels like in the room. You can feel the energy change. You can feel individual energies change. You can feel that. So that was really the first time I had experienced that because law is obviously robust. Very sorry. (laughs) I understand. Okay, A, it's not like law. There's nothing wrong with robots. Okay, there's nothing wrong with it. Everyone's seen it on TV. Everyone's seen Law and Order. They're like, I know what you do. It was nothing like that. Um, Actually, I did a case for two years that involved a lot of marketing and advertising because it was dull. 
Okay. It was, um, it was the Bratz dolls and oh. versus Barbie. Oh. So it's on that case for two years. Oh my god! After I was, that, I was like, my okay. kids are only getting wooden toys. <laughs> I'm never looking at ads again. I was in, yes, you know, reviewing toy expos, and so I understand that world and the power of marketing. Oh, yes, and okay. I sat in it um, for years and and had to have experts testify as to you know the power of packaging and were they actually copying the 20, 2003 Barbie Winter Wonderland? Trio? Oh my gosh! And then. You know, that was the first time I left law, I think, after that. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll podcast about all that oh, at some yeah, point because that is to talk about. awesome. Okay. Um, I never had girls, so I didn't really have to live the brat. Boys can play with dolls, well, too. That's true. Yeah. And I keep waiting for them to be, ask me for one, and I'll be like, absolutely not. And let mommy spend Not because you're a boy, hours. just because I'm going to tell mommy you. Let spend yeah. two hours breaking it down for you. Forget <laughs> it, mom. I don't care that much. Give yeah, me a try. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to wear them down so they go away. So I, I think for me that was a really important balance and why I've always been drawn back to fitness coaching and yeah. fitness teaching, even though I have a very analytical, logical sometimes, although clients are not logical, they are anything but logical, and that's why you're in litigation in the first place. But it was it was sort of a negative and positive balance too. So there's always that balance because as a litigator, no one wants to talk to you. Your clients don't want to talk to you. The opposing counsel doesn't want to yeah. talk to you. The judge doesn't want to talk to you. And then I would walk into a room where it was mostly women, especially in bar fitness, and they would want someone to talk to them yeah. and lift them and be there and be their cheerleader and be their coach and be everything for that 50 minutes or an hour yeah. that they were paying for. And so that balance has always been very important. For me. So I understand. So, I mean, that's intuitive energy. right there. And if you can pick, if somebody walks in sad and they're not going to want to work out, you feel it. Like, you can like, feel it. Oh. And you feel when someone comes in upset or yeah. angry or having a bad day because yeah. that radiates Oof. throughout. Mm-hmm. So it's so powerful, especially yeah. the negative emotions are very powerful. 100%. So, so yes, I understand some of it, which is why I love you so much. Um, and you're, intu- you you're intuitive. You so, she is. And she's yeah. not her. I mean, I joke about the profession. Yeah. It's not about her <laughs> at all. But it is a balance, I think. And, you know, I feel that pressure, too, of is this enough? Am I enough? Yeah. Um, trying to juggle everything mm-hmm. and thinking about work and family and your own needs and where does that fit? And then there's the resume, you know, mm-hmm. and we are Harvard grads and – we just, I just had my, well, I didn't go, but it was my 20th reunion. Okay. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what like, year is it? I? Yeah, I know. Okay, it's my 20th reunion. And then you think you, you get sort of the outline of what everyone's been doing and, you know, curing cancer yeah. and founding nations and all of those. And like, bitch, those I started a podcast. Yeah. yeah, you have those moments where you think, am I enough? But I feel, especially in my 40s, I feel good. Yeah. This is. This is enough. And as, this is enough. And I think as women, and we talked about this Y'all are today. doing a lot. I might, might, you don't know me well, but like, <laughs> if it does or does not matter, it's a lot and it's more than enough. So, yes. Well, we talked about this today about how women, as women, we are often each other's toughest critics. Oh, we, sure. Women are much harsher on women than sometimes men are or we are on men. Mm-hmm. And so the importance of really embracing all women yeah. and really thinking about, although we're different, how we need to band together because a lot of things are about women first and all the differences much yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, that's, I mean, something we see a lot in media, which I'm really excited that that's starting to change. Um, even around like the race conversation, you see like TV shows and, and commercials now with same sex couples and, and that stuff is, is even if they're trying to monetize it on the back end, which is a whole other conversation, it's not, you know, a moral compass. It's more of like a monetizable one, whatever. It's still furthering awareness. Um, but I'm with you. I think there is such a deep conversation around women kind of getting away from our, you see it on TV, like the new girl walks in the office, so she she looks, you know, her pantsuit's ugly or whatever. And it's it's immediate, like, women against women, and because we see that, so it happens. So it's a very conscious of, like, don't make fun of her hair or don't do this or, like, we, I'm whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I am genuinely fortunate, um, like, showing up to an event, hosting a podcast with people that don't know me. And we're, talking, we're not talking about the weather. We're talking about deep stuff where I think most of them were either my age or younger, really open, didn't care, didn't ask a lot of questions, like... I see a shift in our younger humans, and it's it's pretty awesome to know that, you know, maybe I am that old, but, <laughs> and, you know, like, the, the change is happening. I mean, if you can kind of mine for the gold, like, it is out there, so it's it's a positive note. Um, I'm not letting you off the hook on this woo. So we're intuitive, we're in fitness. Um, so no balance around, I mean, like, meditation or anything else fitness-wise? I did try that. Okay. What? Um, well, I told you. She's not, these are all secrets from you. No, I told you this story a long time. Well, I went to a bar three retreat, right? So they I made you meditate. Yes, no, it was forced meditation. But <laughs> so long ago. It, I know. It, but it was very powerful because it was the first time I had actually felt that. And it was a longer one. It was a 30-minute guided oh, meditation. That's a long time. So we weren't – it wasn't just a hot second. Of, it was serious. And, and we, like – there was an arc and it, you could feel the change in the room. And yes. I, so I do believe in it. I just am really shitty at doing it in my own life. So I know we've talked about this this year. I know. Meditation is hard. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I believe in it. Car, every card I've ever read, I just did a card reading on air, which is also really crazy and vulnerable. Oh. I know. It was the last cast I just posted, I think, last week. I don't even know what date it is. We had three casts this week, which oh, is amazing. Okay. But anyways, super. it's intense to be like, here's what I am. Tell me. And it was, some of it was, it was good. Anyways, um, the meditation's hard. Like, even as you practice it and you get good, and are you a regular meditator? I'm going to interrupt the conversation if we're going to ask that question. So, my, <laughs> By my, all means. My thing is, I wasn't, even though intellectually and all the positive psych work I know, like, there are scientifically proven things that are good for us as humans. Sure. Meditation is right up there. And so I didn't until I took it seriously. I went to a mental, my GI tract got fucked last year and then okay. it affected my mind. And so I fell into a bit of a depression. It was a mild one. It was all bio, you know, like your gut, gut and your brain oh, connection. Yes. Like I, yes. like I said, I'm sensitive. I know that's exactly what happened and I knew it wasn't going to be permanent because as soon as I got on the antibiotics, it fixed it. But I use it as an excuse to double down on all the things, the habits that I knew could help me. Okay. So at that point I stole my husband's Muse headset. Have you heard of Muse? Uh... What is it? I'm so it's like visual. A, no, what? How do you spell it? M U S E. M U S E. I know Muse. It's tell me. Tell me about balls. it. So okay. basically, it's a headset that you wear behind your ears and across your forehead, and it measures your brain waves. And it's oh yes, I do app. know this. Yes. I do know this. So I stole yeah. his thing and basically was meditating every morning. And I, I went from like five minutes a morning being like, uh, what am I doing? To now like doing a lot more, and I do it regularly. And it now I know I'm cranky if I don't. Yeah, it's you get you, you, it's amazing. And then they have this new Muse 2.0 headset that measures like you could do 
You can measure your breathing. It yes. measures your heart rate. So you can meditate based on different things, not just your mind. And they it gives you biofeedback. Yes. So you hear, like, if you're calm, the birds are tweeting. And then you're like, oh, but did I remember to take the dog out for a poop before I meditated? Is he going to have a shit on the floor? And then it's, all of a sudden, it's like a storm in soundtrack. It keeps you on... Uh, like accountable yeah so you actually measure how long you meditated for whether you were calm what how many minutes you were calm active or neutral i sound like a walking advertisement for no no no. Now. so this is this is deep in the human optimization um where a lot of like our special forces like there's the aura ring again marketing brain I'm, I'm mildly exposed to a lot of it um that or even a fitbit that tracks your steps how well you sleep blah 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 i think there's some i don't know how accurate all of it is i don't know a ton about muse but I will say if there's positive side effects to anything, it's great. And I think knowing, um, you know, what you're supposed to do and not meditating is like diet. Like I know I'm not supposed, I'm not supposed to eat Cheetos. Am I still going to eat Cheetos? Probably. And they're not a sponsor, so we don't talk about them. But it's, we, you kind of, you know what you can and can't do and you still, we're still humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you start to see like these positive pieces and meditation, I was doing it like five minutes a day, which is pretty JV. But as I was consistently doing it, I would almost crave it. It was mm-hmm. crazy. It's like exercise, and, right? 100%. And that's why I actually think you would, if it spoke in the it, right no. capacity. I told her when she's ready, I'm like, I'll buy you a music. Yeah. For like, I'll up it. It's, and we'll just do it. <laughs> well, and, and then, you know, we can go, I am such a believer in um, family members had PTSD and brain health and like how the gut and the brain connect and it is like food allergies or you're harboring anger and your liver's off. Like there's mm-hmm. so, we can go so much further into it. Um, and then you navigate around diabetic medicine or, um, Zoloft or any of these, you know, uh, I want to say mental medications, but that's not the right term. But anyways, uh, we can navigate around pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. and those things. And so yes to all what you're saying and check out Muse if, if it works because <laughs> meditating is, it's so hard. It really is. It's like you sit there still and it's like, I have so much shit to do. Mm-hmm. How am I going to sit here still and, be, and think about nothing? And then once you get used to it, there's like this crossover. It's a game changer. I mean, the way that I justified it eventually was I knew I was in a funk. And yeah. then I said, there is nothing more important in my day than getting my mind, my mental health in order yes, so that I can show up for everything else I need to do. And, yeah. and so starting with that to build the habit was incredible because now I find I can like, even when the kids are home, I can be like, I need to go do my meditation. Yeah. I know it's a Saturday, but I'm going to go. And, and it's been it's been okay. The kids know I meditate now. Dude, and how cool is it that they see that? And like mm-hmm. now at, what are they, how old are they? They're in elementary school, like higher elementary school. Okay, so, so yeah. in elementary school you understand meditation? That wasn't a conversation in my household. Like even if I didn't agree with it, then I'm like, oh, just to, again, understand another mm-hmm. self-help situation mm-hmm. or getting more in a la- I don't know. I mean, these little things are just so huge. Like it's huge. Heal yourself, heal the world. So. Yes. All right, so I can't wait to hear. So you're at, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll go quick on this, but you're at the retreat. You had to do the 30-minute meditation. Yeah. Well, I loved it. I thought it was Oh, you great. did like it. I oh, did like okay. It. No, I, I'm not anti that. I mean, yeah. growing up in a Japanese family where you you firmly believe in my family, yeah. really strongly believes, especially for women, that, that there is, that the women in our family are very intuitive about certain things. And so, and through a lot of stories and experiences that we, that, we or my cousins or my aunts have had in Japan, I, I believe that it works. Um, I just started trying to do it when my younger Babies son was babies. one. Yeah. 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 So it was a terrible timing on my part because I was super sleep deprived. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, let me just take these five minutes. I'm like, no, like I, I, um, I'm going to drink a coffee in yeah. five minutes or I'm going to drink this whole glass of wine in five minutes. I was going to say coffee's for it. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, so, you know, I might be at a space in my life where I could try that again. Uh, <gasps> I you know. all heard it here? I, I'm, I'm not here to convince. I was just curious. I love the juxtaposition between the, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really just want Muse to sponsor, which I was <laughs> I actually met, I, got, I had the opportunity to introduce the, the founder of Muse. Oh, of, um, of course. So she was phenomenal, and she is a neuroscientist. So she, like, is for real legit and yeah. invented this device and is incredible. Like, she is this petite woman with so much power i love it so well, the mental the health time you texted me that photo of you with the muse i was like um okay. sister, <laughs> we might have to have a little chat about this but apparently it's great yeah so, so. i've heard good things but again the mental health I mean, that's going to be i think the next I mean, it already is a big conversation but it's going to be the next big conversation i've had um neurofeedback so local yes. I've had, okay i've had her um neurooptimize sorry i'm one of my cast rachel she's a founder I've had kiddos get off um, uh, Adderall completely. And I'm not a doctor nor a scientist. I'm just saying if kiddo family things, if you're questioning a different way from what's going on, neurofeedback is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. PTSD, I've had people that are completely healed and have turned in all their medicines to the VA. I mean, it's it's a remarkable conversation. Um, so we're, we're super digressing. I'm going to do a hard, a hard turn as they meditate a little bit. But um, <laughs> during, during my long ass, my long winded uh, conversation, Really quickly, why specifically, we kind of talked about the podcast, but why specifically white women? I want to cover this just so, as a white woman, women, um, because my experience initially in that conversation was so like, it was almost repelling, so that I knew I had to lean in and like, we're going to unpack it. Um, but why specifically for the podcast and why not just women or why not just everyone? Like give me, and I've listened to your cast, but give it to me as, as though I didn't already know. So I think, well, we can start with statistics because okay. we do love them. So, and we were just talking about By this we. today. But we, okay, we, <laughs> like the, the royal we. No, we, I, am, uh, I am a little no, nerdy like that. I do need a lot of them. You do actually, like yes. it. I do. Yeah. Okay, one of us might like it more, but <laughs> we both like them. And we were just talking about one of them today, especially after the, the election and Trump was elected. Yes. And, you know, leading up to the election where Trump had said some terrible things about women very misogynistic mm. things, and I think he lives that, you know, every day. And so we, we, Sarah and I, were outraged, as were a lot of women. And so it was so hard for us to understand when the statistics came out that 53% of white women and 44% of which there was a subset, 44% of college-educated white women voted for Trump. Yep. I mean, like, our heads exploded, I think, because it was so difficult for us to reconcile everything we knew about how he hated women and yet women are voting for him. And when it was compared to 90% of black women voted for Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. So we felt that there was clearly a disparity there. And, you know, people voted for Trump for a whole host of reasons. It wasn't, you know, any one issue. And I think that was the amazing part. You know, he has such a history in our, in our country as, mm -hmm. you know, He's done so many things. He has so much wealth. He the has, brand. Yeah, he's, he is a brand. You're mm -hmm. exactly right. And a word. <laughs> yes. He's on our vocabulary. He is, he is famous and he is infamous and all those things wrapped together. But I think we were looking ahead and more towards the long game and towards 2020 yeah. and thinking this is a group that, we, that clearly we're having a hard time understanding that the why. And so we want to figure out if that why changes and is that why based on a specific narrative? Is it based on privilege? Is it based on just ignorance? And again, not purposeful ignorance, but yeah. not understanding the history and why it's so important that we have people who support 
everyone in office. Yeah. And so that's why we we called it, we meant to be provocative too. I think we get a lot sure. of questions. We've been called racist. We, But the, ti- the title of the podcast really means a lot to us because it's sort of the underpinnings of why we're having these conversations Absolutely. in the first place. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about it where I think people were willing to overlook some of the humanity in the candidate in order to further a policy. They were like, well, this one thing speaks to me, yeah. so let me overlook that. Yeah. And I think I want to flip it so we really understand each other as human beings first and relate to all of us, and then can we look at the policy? Yeah. I think is if you're looking at the longer term, I think that's what we need to do in order to thrive, or I really do believe our country is on the brink of not being a world leader. I mean, that's being a little yeah. dramatic, as I sometimes am. But in the long term, you read about how empires collapse. Mm -hmm. And you really think about what is the future of our country if we're not putting our people first. And from a positive psychology standpoint, they have proven that countries that are, I mean, this is a phrase that they use, but like a we culture versus a me culture. Those countries continuously are happier, are more productive, are more successful. And we are kind of leading the charge on the me culture. So how do we flip that perspective and really look out for one another first so that we can be around as a country successfully thriving and continuing with the amazing things we do have to offer? And I want to clarify, when I say, like, self-help, like, mental health and well, I think it's just two, I want to be clear, it's two different conversations of, like, healing yourself and then caring about your fellow human are different and then synonymous. Yeah, it's, yes, I think you have to do one to get the other. But the overall, the arching, like, lens of we need to take care of each other we do need to do be be alongside each other I will say you know the more I'm I didn't really pay attention I've always voted since I was 18 and I've always been passionate about having a voice not even to be strong female just because I don't know that just part of my personality um but with this recent election and what's going on and I see like potentially that you know women can't have control of their own bodies and their female rights and like and this is like heavy conversation that's it's crazy, and then kind of what we alluded to earlier, it doesn't maybe people don't pay attention until it impacts you. This coming election really does impact you, whether it's male, female, or race, or reproductive rights, or what have you. I mean, there's a lot at hand, and I think if there's any silver lining to any of it, that I, I do think there's more people are paying attention. I'm certainly paying attention, you know, college-educated, blah, 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 um, and really digging into issues more than I ever have before, and God, it's so overwhelming to know all that I need to know. And we've done a podcast on that, like pick out your main issues and, and kind of lean into those because it is so much. And it's it's heavy responsibility around all of it. Um, but kind of my base conversation around that is I have so much faith in our young humans and that they have been exposed to this. And now we, there is so much mm-hmm. turmoil, I want to say, for what's going on. And, you know, we are at a pivot point as a country. Um, I do have such deep faith that even if there wasn't an immediate change, which I'll fingers crossed, there's still so much unmeasurable change that is happening and like our young people that are turning 18 that have you know lived in a different way growing up with muse or you know in a mixed race family or what have you like they live such different realities than we even did um that we're on the upswing of things uh but major digression um i just wanted to be very clear on what it was because again in my own experience i felt so defensive in it and i think it's phenomenal not as a business person but as a business branding person, I think it's really great that it's so thought-provoking, the title of it. It's very straightforward. You're, you know, it displays what we're here to talk about, and it's in a very graceful space of here's where we are, here's where we stand, here's the facts, and this is why. And then it's digestible as white women to be like, oh, okay, I had no idea, and now we're talking about it. 
there's definitely no blame gaming. Like, sure. Like, we don't play that. That's There's no purpose in it. I think what we talked about before about let's be more thoughtful. Let's be more educated. Let's yeah. inform ourselves. And, I mean, even our audience. I think we have a lot of men. We have a lot of black oh, people. Oh, good. Like, we, yes. our audience okay. does not mm-hmm. actually reflect the title of it, but I think we wanted to just make it clear that that was, again, it was a provocative enough title. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, when you have the privilege, when you are a college-educated white woman in this country, despite the fact that you're a woman, so you're yeah. still a step down from a man, you still have a lot of privilege, and maybe you can coast and not have to ever think about these issues mm-hmm. because we are increasingly divided. You know, unless you live in a big coastal city, really you're not rubbing elbows in the middle of the country with many people right. who don't look like you. Of course. So it was just to grab people's attention and I think it's interesting because it can rub people totally differently. Some people are like, we expected you to be two black people. Yeah. Sitting there calling out yes. and getting angry at, at white women. And I mean, that's that's not it. That's not who we are, but that's... I actually, I would think just completely in my own stereotypes, would think the your smallest audience would be white women. I would really just, if someone was like, I'm guessing what would you say? I'm like, that's what I would say. And we'll do a poll soon enough. And yeah, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all yeah. up ears for it. And like, hence, it's important for me to be like, oh my God, yes, like these disruptors get on. Like, let's talk about it right now. And if, if I can maybe even be like a filter or other cast or opportunities to be like, you totally stereotype it. Listen in on this. This actually makes a lot of sense. And it's, they're incredibly intelligent. And, you know, the resume is there. The facts are there. The way they say it's there. And the woo-woo energy The there. woo-woo, <laughs> the balance is there. Um, no, it's really a beautiful thing. But it, it's it's provocative. And it could be, like, uh, repelling in some capacity. And if you just have a quick conversation, you're like, wait, wait, just listen in. Then it's like, oh. Then we, like, siphon them in. And then, like, it, then the larger conversation can happen. Well, and I think, like, it, again, going back to it isn't blaming and and we are trying to teach and yeah. educate and have conversations in a very thoughtful way because it's true change is slow yeah it is the long game but we've seen it even recently when wedding websites the knot and zoya i think took plantations off mm-hmm. as a, a location where people get married that because, was a thing oh it was the thing okay yeah. i'm so not the i'm the, the wrong i'm not the wedding animal i would yeah. i mean I'm not super traditional in any capacity, but um, okay, yeah, wow. Yeah, well, P.S., we didn't get married on a plantation. Well, I mean, do other people? Do you? Super awkward. But yes, it was because we, in one of our episodes, we had talked about plantations and how 90% of the visitors to plantations are white. What do you What do you go to see? This is completely, you, I had no idea about it. You go to see the history of the plantation, but people... And white visitors were getting upset with black people who were there portraying the slaves for telling the slave story because they wanted to hear the story of the white people who lived in the plantation, which is very interesting um, because to us it was similar, you know, to going to a concentration Mm -hmm. camp. And you're like, I don't care about the Jewish people people want to give all i'm thinking is energy like you're gonna first of all the whole thing to me is like whoa um but to get married there yeah that's yeah, a, thing? a big thing oh it was a it thing. was a big oh, yes. but okay. now it, wow and bigger i mean i'm sure weddings are still happening there but i mean there's much larger conversation than that but right. to me like immediately i'm like but that you have major wow. wedding websites taking those venues yeah. off yeah, yeah yeah is is this is a big step and yes even if you know that might not affect the vast majority of the people who are using those websites. It's a sign, and it's a very public sign. It was very publicized. Yeah. So change might be slow, but it really just comes from awareness and See, people that's, that's thinking huge. a little critically about what is the history of this place 
that we might want to get married in. Yeah. And how does it feel to the people? Like, it yeah. really is that combination of intellectual curiosity yeah. and let me empathize. Yeah. That's really what we each need to sure. continue to grow in ourselves. And that's what we also hope yeah. to do. I mean, and when we say we teach, like, I'm learning all the yeah. time. The research that we're doing to put together these episodes is so fun because I am constantly learning. And I'm constantly like, like that really happened? Or this is really the case? It's, yeah. it's fascinating because I, I mean, I love it. Part of my satisfaction comes from continuing to grow. And oh, so for sure. learning while we're doing this work has been really like rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I learned something new, at least one thing new, every episode that we do and researching it and all of that. It's, it's really fun in that way. Too. Well, I think it, it keeps you, I would say soul Botox, um, but it keeps you <laughs> long, young and moving and yeah. your brain firing and like, and then again, it's someone that you trust and respect countering your ways and then countering your views and then collaborating. I mean, it really is like, it's, it's a phenomenal gift to have that stimulation and drive, you know, all the time. And now it's a thing. Um, so I can't wait to see it grow. Uh, what are kind of, you kind of just said to like, what would be like the main goal of the cast? Um, or maybe even your personal missions long, like 10 years from now, which I hate when people ask me that, but I'm like, damn it, really? I know, I'm just ah. like, well, because the funny thing is, I'm a big believer, like, if I looked at five years ago, I'd be like, right. I want a podcast doing influencer <laughs> marketing that was just made up two years ago, like, n none of it was even a thing, so <laughs> I hate, but just give me, like, goals, and if you know in ten years, like, I don't know how specific a human you guys are, but, I mean, there's some type A in the mix, so I feel like there might be some goals, <laughs> there might be some maybe goals on paper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in ten, we did this when the decade switched, because I do a lot of, like, I don't want, um, New Year's resolutions, I like intentions. So sure. we picked a word of the year, and I really pointed out on our New Year's episode, which was more, you know, just conversation, In the t by the time the next decade rolls around, I'm going to be an empty nester. So oh, yeah. I okay. think about my life holistically, and where is that going to be, and where does this fit into it? And I mean, so many people who do podcasts are like, oh, I can't, I have to do seasons, I have to take a break, which is legit for so many reasons. Yeah. I run out of things to talk about, whatever. I can't see us running out of things to talk I was, about. I, yeah, I was wondering if I should make about. a joke there or not, but I was like, okay. <laughs> and really, and there's so many fascinating. I've been so grateful for the people who've been willing to come on because we talk a lot, just the two of us, and then we also get the opportunity to interview some incredible people. Yeah, and the people who've been willing to share their time with us and their conversations and opinions and thoughts and everything has been mind blowing, and that's just continuing to grow. So. Yeah. I mean, until this feels, I, I, I trust my internal compass and the barometer until this feels like it's either like we've moved on and we want to come up with a new challenge and it, it, it switches gears to some other way of manifesting. Sure. You know, but I, I think this conversation is about long-term growth and an investment in yourself to intellectually and emotionally continue to stretch yourself. So I don't see, because I believe I'm going to be the shriveled half Asian lady wisdom, like, you know, <laughs> girl, you look young, you're fine. You're good to no, go. But yeah. I want to be like, I don't want my, <laughs> Just because, you know, one day I can't bear babies anymore and yeah. I'm like, my fertility has gone down the shitter doesn't mean that my value goes away. And I think society, like I've always said that I want to be a value add yeah. in my fifties, sixties, seventies. Like I want to continue it's, to build that. It's funny to me that fertility is that I totally get it. And you think about like, I mean, if I think about myself from 20 to 30 and then 30 to now almost 40, oh my God, no, the value, the value is increasing because so much has been learned. Like. Oh, my 20-year-old self, like, 
Mm. I'm glad you could have kids, mm. but <laughs> don't. <laughs> You're not ready. <laughs> you will need a hell of a lot more bonus. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> also true. But I really mean it more in terms of how society yeah. portrays women. Right? Yes, like 100%. All, all, I didn't mean to simplify a larger point. We value all these young people, and, and, and that's fine. That's great. Yeah. Beauty is amazing. I think yes. the human form is amazing, and there's a lot of strength in appearance and all that sort of stuff. But I'm talking about like value add. Yes. And so if that's the case, whatever direction this particular arrangement goes, I mean – we're good. We've structured this in a way that we we've set our conversations so that it fits our lifestyle parameters. You know, the kids are yeah. home over the summer. How do we want to be able to maintain this conversation so that we can still be present for our kids? Yeah. Because of the way that we work together as people, I think we're able to have really honest conversations about what each of us needs at, at any given time and make accommodations because of the respect that we have for each other. Yeah. And I would say Again, going back to the long game, because in 10 years, I will not be an empty nester. Oh, my God. My kids will be with me forever. You're freaking old. <laughs> <laughs> I will be so old. I know. Well, also looks amazing. Later in life. Um, anyway. No, I, you know, going back to that story of my husband and my kids walking out the door and maybe not coming back, I, that is a fear that I don't want our children to carry. Yeah. And maybe it's not realistic to say that they won't have that fear because who knows how long it takes to really make change, but, or their kids, their kids won't have that fear. Yeah. So when I think about what we're doing, I think about that as the end goal, that there won't be any kids out there who are, you know, living now or yet to be born who will have that fear mm-hmm. about a loved one, you know, in any form, whether it's race or gender or sexual identity or whatever that can't is. feed their Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Any fear, and that we can exist as humans first. And so, when I think about that, that's the only goal I can really see. I, I see us working towards that, and collectively working towards that in so many different ways. So, if it's through the podcast form, it's if it's through another form. Because who the hell knows where yeah. technology is going to be? That's what I'm saying. Well, that's right? what that, that I even yeah. I was asking you. I'm like, hmm, you hate this question. Don't <laughs> we're, we're asking it anyways. But it, it's true because again, influencer marketing is pretty much made up. I was doing it before because it was cost and effective, blah, blah blah. Then it becomes a thing. Then podcasts become a thing. Who would think we can sit and record and yeah. put our voices out there? Like on the on the flip side of social media, the positive. Now these messages, like these deep conversations that have taken years of wisdom and Botox and tequila and education, <laughs> Harvard, and yeah, yeah, and wine, mm-hmm. to, to have, now somebody can just tune in and press play. Mm-hmm. Like how unbelievable is that? Like can you really conceptualize the way you can reach someone? That's where the deep responsibility comes in. But that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And as, as slow as change is, I do think, again, with responsibility and we, we teach filters, the right things can reach the right humans, and man, maybe change doesn't have to be as slow as it once was. Mm-hmm. Maybe not fast, but maybe just a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, but I, I think it's it's huge, and I think um, what you guys are doing is amazing. I'm so privileged to have you guys come on here and conversate and share your mission and your message and your experience and your family tales and um, energy and leading in energy. Uh, I that, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I love it. So, well, cause there's just so many, like when I listen back to things or just like in reflect on life in general, like there's so many ironies that are in play. I mean, even with like deep education, you realize we're doing kind of like the one job, even though it's not fully like a paid job situation yet that doesn't require an education, doesn't require anything. Like my kiddos that are opting out of school cause they don't want school loans are starting YouTube channels. They're influencers and they're making millions of dollars. 
Then I got a couple Harvard grads that are like, <laughs> have gone around the full circle of finance and everything, and now they're on it. So, and it's respect all the way around. Like, it's such an equalizing space, almost like fitness. You come in, it's like, we're all just in the gym. It doesn't matter about resume, what have you. So it's really, I don't know, I love all the deep ironies and like the, I don't know, the things that kind of surround it that you don't see unless you like consciously like lean in. Um, the universe, the world, God, whatever you, it's a, it's a, it's a funny display of situations and how things find out, wind out the way they do. Um, but tell me more, where, where can we find you guys? Give me, uh, handles, website. I mean, I'll post all this of course, but tell me where the crew finds you. Social media. I think we're really heavy into Instagram at dear white women podcast. Yes. Uh, same thing with Facebook, but we have lots of thoughts about Facebook. So that's, yes. there's that. Um, and then on Twitter, because that was too long of a handle, we're at DWW <laughs> podcast. Okay. But basically, I mean, it's straightforward, dearwhitewomen.com. Okay. And you can find our podcast there. You can find it everywhere that basically you find podcasts, mm-hmm. pretty much. Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Google I mean, Podcasts. All, the, all mm-hmm. the things. Okay. Um, any, I know today was the big event, but do we have anything else coming up that we need to look for you at? Does that make sense? Anything other events, speaking situations, anything else you basically want to promote Not or put out? Podcast. We both have some individual stuff coming up, and we do a lot of separate work. Do you but... want to talk about that? Are there books coming out, magazines? You don't have to, but this... we are actually writing a book right now. But that's different. I am going to be. Okay. Um, if anyone's into positive psychology, I think the World Happiness Summit is an incredible place. I'm emceeing it, oh, so it's a three day summit, Miami weekend of I think it's March twelfth. Okay. Uh, so a couple months from where we're recording right now. And it's really basically the leading experts and practitioners in the study of happiness. Oh, that, this is, um, well, I'm going to sound super basic right now, but there, isn't this becoming like a actual degree? I guess yes. it's like specifically yes. around You've happiness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, isn't happiness a thing? Like, I don't think going to come so not. So like, I mean, traditionally there's always been a, a positive psychology masters at the university of Pennsylvania. Sure. Marty Seligman started it and he has run with it. Now, my mentor, the one who I ran into, has been launching the study, the Happiness Studies Academy, HSA, is a thing, and they are now really working with the University of Miami to make it an actual degree okay. through their platform. Oh, so I thought it already was with someone or something. Maybe that one has, I don't know. And then there's, then there's like, the Florida State something University, close. FSU, okay. also has the study of, I feel like it was like... Maybe it was FSU that was doing it. Oh my gosh, now I'm going to be in so much trouble because as Nisasha knows, I don't know schools or teams of sports or any of this stuff. She does not. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You two can talk. Because she was meditating. That's why I don't worry about it. She had the headset on. Seriously. Um, It's in Florida. And they are, yeah, there are some seriously cool pioneers doing incredible stuff. Like they literally built a building based, like a student center based on the pillars of positive psychology. I think I've heard about this. I didn't know it's insanely that. cool. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I wish this there. would infiltrate like our kindergarten curriculum. Universe, I'll take it. Uh, university. Oh, hello. Um, but so yeah, it, but I, I, it's all <laughs> swirling here. Um, but our kiddos, man, I would, I always want to shake up the curriculum for our young humans. Like, uh, numbers and relationships and everything like trigonometry cool but there's an app for that let's talk about some, but anyways um i think that's phenomenal so happiness summit march 12th 12th i believe florida florida miami, miami. yeah okay um anything coming up for you i think just a couple articles on plinkett remember the educational yeah. sort site the microaggressions one is finally coming out okay. and um hopefully some others on race which will build nicely. what is plinkett so my plinkett.com is okay. actually an educational site for younger kids and oh parents. so here i'm talking out of turn i'm like there should check. be a thing oh okay <laughs> check plinkett noted uh, so it's basically they have a multi 
two-pronged platform, I guess, where you teach about something, you learn about it, there's concrete ways in which you can act on that. So there's the do, and then there's the resources. Oh. So drawing on what we talked about in the podcast, there's one on microaggressions that will be posted shortly. There will be one on race, hopefully soon as well. So really teaching parents how to talk to your kids about it, and younger kids too, four to six. Um, ideally. So in the kindergarten space. That's amazing. Okay, I'm glad I'm here. I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. But otherwise, it really is our podcast. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode. Okay. Yes, you guys are consistent. It's very well researched. It's very, the audio's great. They do a really, they do a great job. (laughs) Sincerely, you guys do. Um, I appreciate you guys. I, I would love to check in in maybe like six months to a year just to be like, what's going on? Maybe we'll totally. recast yes. and see what's going on. Not only like from evolution, maybe from both our podcast standpoints, but maybe like where the world is post-election. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm keeping yes. the, the alcohol close, so don't even worry about it. I've got turmeric in the fridge as well, so we'll keep it equal. Um, <laughs> thank you so much yes, for inviting thank us you. into your you universe so and your space. Yes. We're really, really grateful yes. for you, and, uh, and you're just such a genuine, amazing human being. So uh, thank you very much for having thank us and you. connecting with us. Thank you. I really genu- genuinely appreciate that, and that means a lot coming from you both. Um, so please check them out. I'll post all their handles and everything, and there's stuff that's coming out. I'm guessing there's probably even more than that. But lean in. Just follow them and see what's going on. Uh, these are some movers and shakers, some graceful disruptors. Um, and I think we just might be hearing more about them outside of my podcast and their podcast on a larger level soon. So stay tuned. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.